Hello, wherever you are in the world today, welcome to Beyond the Art in our series, The Stories That Carry Us. I'm your host, Craig Beaumont Flynn, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Delaware Tribe of Indians. In each episode, we will discuss with various Native American artists, influencers, art leaders, and everyone in between their experiences, the communities they serve, and the translation and interpretation of the Native American art world today. Well, today for on the show, we have Danielle Seawalker, a Standing Rock Sioux Nation citizen and artist. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you. Well, we're glad mm-hmm. to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your own story? Um, sure. Hihani washte, mitakiapi, Danielle Seawalker, machiapi, mahumpapa, lakota, naochepi, shakalini, mahatan, Denver, Colorado, opati. Um, I greeted you all in my traditional language, the Lakota language, and I said, good morning. My name is Danielle Seawalker, and I come from um, the Standing Rock Sioux Nation of North Dakota, um, but currently reside in Denver, Colorado. Um, I, I guess I consider myself an artist. I work in a lot of different mediums. Um, I have an, a studio in downtown Denver in the Arts District and um, practice a lot of fine art on canvas. I use a lot of traditional materials, but sort of intersect that with a contemporary um, color palette or like bringing, you know, what people think is Native art kind of into a more contemporary world. Um, I'm also a muralist, so I do a lot of public art um, on large walls, and I started doing that in 2020. Um, I'm also a writer. I consider myself um, an activist or an artivist. I do a lot of legislation work um, for Native people and um, am heavily involved in the Native community locally but nationally. Um, And I also am a commissioner um, through the city and county of Denver for the Denver American Indian Commission, where I served um, the past two years as the chair. Um, and I'm also a mom of two, so I have a lot going on at all times. <laughs> <laughs> You're juggling a lot there. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is your perspective of being a Native American and an artist? I don't know. What do you mean by my, that perspective? <laughs> what drives you as a uh, as an artist, but also a Native American? How do you integrate those two components in your life of who you are? I, I guess the same way that like maybe a French artist or an Italian artist would do that. It's just who they are. And it's, you know culture and identity. Um, I'm not really sure how to answer that question. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> what defines you as a, what defines your work as an artist, as a Native American artist? Um, what defines it? I guess, you know, my artwork is all centered around, um, it's sort of like my diary, my visual diary. I've always, I get the question a lot of, um, when did you start creating art? And uh, that's always hard for me to pinpoint because I think I've always been a creative spirit since forever. Um, I come from a family of artists, so I've always been around it. It's always been very centric to who I am. Um, And it was always a way for me to like emotionally express myself Um, in my culture and kind of how I grew up. It wasn't customary to like talk about feelings or talk about how you're, you know, what you're up to. And um, I come from a very traumatic upbringing. And so my way of sort of expressing that and navigating that was through art and creating, whether it was writing stories as a kid or, um, you know, sketching or drawing. I mean, I always was creating in some way, shape or form. And so, um, as I got into an adulthood, um, I only started publicly showing my artwork in 2020. That was kind of the year that I sort of, you know, 
um, cross boundaries into mm-hmm. what I was doing artistically. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I'm still like an emerging artist um, publicly, but I have been creating art since the beginning of my time. So where are you getting your inspiration from in creating your, especially, you know, from mural yeah. muralist and what you do and writing and things like that? How do you incorporate that and where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, a lot, it's a lot of my, like I said, it's my visual diary. So my inspiration is like what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, stories I've been told. Sometimes I'll be looking at old photographs. I love, love, love old photographs. I'm constantly sifting through archives. Um, I go to the, I love going to the Library of Congress in DC and looking through old photos um, of Native people in my tribes or going to the National Archives here locally. Um, so I love that. And I find a lot of inspiration in portraits and like just examining and thinking like, what were they thinking during this time period? Or, you know, if I'm looking at a photo from the turn of the century in the late 1800s, I'm just imagining like, what did my ancestors think when they first mm-hmm. saw like covered wagons? What was, right. were they like, whoa, that's a spaceship, you know, kind of <laughs> like what we would think. So I really kind of like put myself in that time period in their shoes and like what that must have been like to right, during right. colonization. So a lot of that, I say all that to say is that a lot of that is, um, inspiration for my art. Do you take it a lot, since you look at photographs and stuff, are you more focused on your tribe or do you just looking at the overall Native American experience? Um, I think for sure a lot of my tribe and, um, you know, I love, I just love different Native American tribes and cultures all around the U.S. We all have a shared experience, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it in different historical time periods, but, um, I do love, you know, looking at all the other tribes and cultures as well, but definitely, you know, I pay much more attention to where I come from, who I am and, and sort of draw inspiration from that. So when you start creating and looking at these historical photographs and other imagery, what's your process in creating that either telling a story or painting, drawing something that you're actually seeing that's inspiring in you? Yeah. So I, um, it's very different, like depending on what I'm working on. If I'm in my studio, that's sort of like just a way for me to like free form and have no rules or confinements or any kind of um, logic really that goes behind it. I can just sort of like let the paintbrush or let this pencil or whatever I'm working with um, kind of just do its thing in the moment um, versus like when I'm doing a mural or creating something in a, on a large scale wall or something like that. It's a, such a different process. And I feel like it's much more calculated and, um, takes sucks a lot more energy out of me. So my studio practice is <clears throat> sort of like a, a, a much free form release versus some other art forms that I do. So when you, you said you started calling yourself an artist, you actually started taking this to the next level in 2020, what inspired you to, to start this process and being become a full-time artist. So I moved to Denver, um, in 2018 and I got really, uh, you know, there was a couple communities I wanted to penetrate right away. I wanted to, I had been living on the East coast for a long time. And so I felt very disconnected from being able to be integrated with a native community. There just really isn't that like there is out this way in, mm-hmm. in the West. Um, So I wanted to, number one, just immerse myself in a Native community and just jump in and join as many different things as I could that way. But I also wanted to jump into the art community. Denver is known to have such a vibrant, um, amazing artistic community. And so 
I sort of immersed myself into those two things. And while I was doing that, I, you know, started connecting with different people and, um, you know, we'd be getting to know one another. I'd go to art shows and they go, Oh, are you a creative? And I'm like, yeah, I am, but I don't really show, you know, and I kind of just, just kind of made myself, um, present in different art ways, et cetera. And then I got to know some good friends that were artists here locally and they, I showed them my portfolio and they're like, Oh my gosh, you need to be showing your work. And, (laughs) you know, it's a little bit of encouragement because I felt like showing my artwork um, previously was such a vulnerable thing for me because it is so emotional and so attached to it. I'm just, it's so personal for me. So um, with the encouragement of some friends, I, you know, would do group shows. And then I was ultimately asked to do a mural festival And I've never done anything large scale like that. I've never painted on a building. I never really experimented with spray paint or anything like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, let's just do it. Just go for it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that mural festival um, opened the doors in so many ways for me. I'll always forever be grateful for that experience because that's the visibility that that brings, that type of art form brings um, really uh, jumpstarted a lot of things for me. Was that in Denver where you did the mural? Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Was it for an event of any sort or was yeah. it just? Yeah, it was for um, uh, an organization called Babe Walls, which was is now I'm one of the um, board members for and kind of one of the organizing artists that puts that on every year. So in 2020, it kicked off as an all women non-binary mural festival, the first of its kind um, historically and kind of traditionally, so to speak, um, murals in street art has been very male dominated and not very much room and sort of um, an encouraging um, pathway for a lot of women or non-binary mm-hmm. artists. So, you know, I got to know a, a, so a group of friends and they decided to start this and I jumped on board. And um, so that first inaugural year of that festival, I was part of it. And then they asked me to be one of the organizing artists going forward. And so the past few years I've been helping to organize that festival and um, it's just been a great experience. How's it, has it blossomed a lot since then? It has. And actually last year was really incredible. I was able to um, take the lead on organizing it back home on my reservation in um, Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. And so we took uh, about eight eight to 10 um, local Denver artists and went up to North Dakota on the reservation and paired up with local artists who had never had access to doing something like this before. And we installed about 12 murals around the small town that I uh, my family's from. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So is there any um, specific date that that actually occurs every year? It's usually in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we've had, you know, it just depends kind of what's going on, but um, usually around July, August timeframe this year, we've decided to sort of do smaller projects and not do a big festival um, just so we can sort of, as we've been growing so fast um, and getting a lot of recognition for what we're trying to accomplish, we said, well, we need to probably take a step back and make this a year of strategy. And so that's kind of what we're doing this year. So since 2020, have you seen the movement and growth of more mm-hmm. women and non-binary participating? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've had so many women from all over the world. Actually, I was just in Amsterdam last month and a a muralist that was working on a mural there. um, We we got to kind of chatting and I told her I was part of the Babe Walls Festival. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I've been wanting to apply to that. I'm like, what? You know about us? Um, And she's (laughs) Word gets around. (laughs) I know. So it's yeah, that to me was very validating that what we're doing is pretty impactful to the to women and non-binary folks. So you mentioned that you're um, an activist or an activism. Is this part of their, your contribution is this festival? No, that's just a personal endeavor that I do um, 
no, the activism is much more of like kind of the serious lens that I, in perspective that I walk through, but, um, and that's surrounded by, or it's centered on, um, issues such as like missing and murdered indigenous women, um, kind of redirecting the narrative on negative stereotypes and um, microaggressions that native people face every day through mascots, through Halloween costumes, mm-hmm. things like that, that we see a lot. Well, that's a very important cause and uh, more people need to speak out about that. So tell me about a little bit about your writing. What do you write about? Is it fiction, nonfiction? No, it's, it's based, you know, on my identity, my culture. Um, I've started a project about 10 years ago with my best friend, um, she's a photographer. And so we paired up and decide she lives in, in Europe. So it was sort of, um, kind of selfishly a way for us to, to have a reason to get together and work right. on something together. Cause we're both creatives. And, um, so we started a project where it's called, um, like I mentioned the red road project, and it's all about looking at native people today in the 21st century. And so we're documenting stories. We've been traveling around Indian country, interviewing people, um, immersing ourselves into communities, um, highlighting these resilient and positive stories, contrary to what a lot of Native American um, stories are portrayed in media. And so um, it's a platform to really offer Native people to have a voice and speak um, from their own perspectives. Um, And sort of through that, project, I got um, the opportunity to do a lot of different writings. I wrote a book in 2020. That was sort of the year I did a lot of new things in in 2020, (laughs) as many of us probably did. But um, so, yeah, that's kind of how the writing sort of sparked in um, something that I do. So you can pilot this together to uh, put out a book. Did you film it? Is it going to be a documentary? What are you going to do with all this information and stories that you've collected? We have so many, like hundred, probably thousands of photos, tons and tons of stories. Um, we actually started doing a video component of interviews. We realized that um, we would sit down and speak with these elders and they would have this incredible knowledge and insight from just another time period that doesn't exist today. And we'd be sitting with them, we'd have their, take their portrait and then, you know, a year or so years would go by and we'd find out they passed away. And it's like, man, I wish we would have recorded that on video because right. when, you know, when they go that all that knowledge goes with them. Mm-hmm. And so we started to do some video as well. Ultimately to answer your question is yes, we want to compile a book, but um, we are doing um, kind of some mini, mini documentaries um, as well along the way. Fantastic. So I'm sure that takes a lot of time. So as you mentioned, you mm-hmm. said you're going to various, Native American tribes and tribal communities. Yeah. How how much have you actually accomplished thus far since you be, began this process and this oh endeavor? Gosh. I don't even know how to measure it. I mean, we've been in <laughs> many, many, many states that we've met hundreds and hundreds of people. And it's really not even just reservations. It's places like Denver, where there's a huge population mm-hmm. of Native people or Los Angeles. And so we're really documenting and going to communities where... Um, there's, you know, stories to be told in uh, communities of people there. So you mentioned uh, documenting this on elders. And unfortunately, you know, we need to extract as much information as possible possible mm-hmm. from them before they pass. So you're doing it. There's no age bracket that you're actually no. facilitating this. It's just a yeah, wide range from kiddos all the way to elders. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm definitely mm-hmm. keen to see what happens with this. That's that's sure. that's commendable. So tell us a little bit more about your artwork, the various mediums that you work in. Um, so like I mentioned, I do, um, studio work. So whether that might be on canvas working with, you know, different types of paint, um, 
I've recently started working on, um, I've done a little bit of painting on rawhide. I love, I love how I love painting on rawhide. It's just like such a great experience with Mm -hmm. the brush. Um, so I'm working on a series of, um, hand drums with stretched Buffalo rawhide. Um, and so I just started that last week, I guess, but, um, yeah, I, I just, I love to experiment and try new things and constantly integrate different materials. And it's kind of not, it's not really stagnant. I can't be like, I'm an acrylic on canvas artist. It just always is evolving <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, I guess there would be a question I'd want to ask, but it seems like you already do. You challenge yourself uh, immensely. So mm-hmm. why is yeah, it that you challenge yourself? <laughs> I recently, um, took up uh, a kind of an ancient art form that comes uh-huh. from my people. It's called quill work and it's working with porcupine quills. And it's something that I've always admired. I love, again, kind of going back to looking at old photos and the regalia and what people mm-hmm. dressed in and what they're wearing and how they made, you know, I just, I overthink on all of it in so many levels. And I have always admired quill work, but it's a dying art form. When the introduction of beads came in, when um, settlers were coming in and trade started happening, um, they substituted these glass beads, which is a lot of people realize like Native American beadwork is very much more well known, I think, than quill work. Correct. But quill work actually preceded the beads. And so it's a form that's sort of it's an art form that's been dying. Not a lot of people know how to do it. A lot of elders are the only people that know how to do it. Um but it's starting to gain momentum where younger people or people in my generation um are starting to ask their grandmas, like, how do I do this? And then they learn. And so I um also learned, I actually um, found a grant and put on some quill work classes here in Denver so that younger generations can learn it. We have an elder in our community that is a master quill work artist and she's never taught a class before. So I approached her and asked her humbly if she would be willing to pass on that knowledge to a younger generation, including selfishly myself. (laughs) Um, And so I am kind of still sort of learning and dabbling in how to incorporate that into my new practice. Wow. So do you use buffalo hide, deer hide? Yeah, I use all, all different kinds of hides. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So are you exhibiting anywhere right now? I am. I do. I have a show that's actually been in um, the Longmont Museum um, for – it's coming down very soon. I think actually on Monday. So that show has just been amazing. It's a uh, contemporary indigenous artist from all over the country. And just being in that show alongside some of the most incredible artists that I've always fangirled over is, has been a very humbling experience. Um, I'm also, uh, exhibiting in Amsterdam at the Strap museum. Um, and that show goes through June that, um, and then, um, I just, a show is opening actually tonight, um, at the Emanuel gallery in downtown Denver. And so I have a piece in that show. And then I have a, a big show coming up in October that I'm preparing for. It's a solo show at history, Colorado in downtown Denver. Fantastic. Do you think you take yourself or, or do you think you take risk in your artwork? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How I so? Do. <laughs> How do you push yourself and take risk? Cool kind of sort of going back to what we were talking about where I just constantly am trying new mediums, new ways to incorporate different traditional materials, but bringing it into a contemporary way. Um, sometimes it doesn't work and it fails and sometimes it turns out amazing and beautiful and um, <laughs> yeah, trial and error. What do you think is an important factor of being a native American artist? Um, I think it's super important that we now are, as native people allowed to have a voice. 
I could sort of consider myself like a first generation where I'm like legally able to do anything and everything. Whereas like my dad comes from a generation where he wasn't able to vote. Um, cause no natives weren't fully allowed to be able to vote, um, until the seventies, which yeah. is insane for me. And my grandma wasn't even considered an American citizen when she was born. Um, so <clears throat> because I, you know, come, I was born into a generation where I'm able to like have the same rights as everybody else. I think it's really important that I utilize that and, um, and express myself in however way I can. And so I do that a lot through my art and it's a way for native artists to take back our identity, our culture, tell perspectives and stories that have not been heard or have not been told. And it's really, uh, we're sort of, um, taking back sovereignty through our artwork. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. So when you're doing and creating your art and you mentioned looking at historical, uh, images and photographs. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you're telling a new story? Are you expanding upon a story that's already been told and, and evolving continuously? Um, I mean, I think for sure it's, it's some stories might have been heard, but from a different perspective, it's from a colonial perspective where, you know, there's been centuries of colonial oppression um, mm. through various ways. And so it's, it's just a, it's a different, I always say like history is a perspective, um, you know, and history as we know it is always told from the winner and the winner is always the, has been the colonizer. And so mm -hmm. it's been that one-sided perspective, but what I love about being able to express myself through art is the power of story and telling historical events that are rooted in my community and rooted through <laughs> stories that I've been told and it's really helping to heal centuries of that oppression right. of land theft, of federal and state sponsored programs of assimilation, um, economic underdevelopment. And so we as native people have adapted to such great change. And um, I think what I, the way that I like to tell story tell through art is like through this resiliency and, um, and how we're able to sustain our way of life and kind of re reclaim back our narrative. Right. We, have you been surprised by the reaction of some of your pieces? Um, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I don't really, um, I don't really hear much reaction, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't like to go to openings. I don't like to like really be there when there's a lot of people around talking about art or my art specifically. It just kind of, again, it's like such a vulnerable thing for me to put my art out into the universe. So, right. um, I don't know if I'm quite ready to like hear a lot of responses. <laughs> <laughs> Do, is there a significant piece or more poignant piece that you're like, this is, this is the essence of me for right now. This is who mm -hmm. I am. And as a native American look individual, this is who I am and, and put your whole soul in. Yeah. I've been working on a series. It's not one particular piece, but it's the series that I've been working on called the braided women. And it's all about these native women that are telling stories, um, whether it's stories about boarding school or stories of contemporary, um, issues that we face today. Um, and so it's, it's these portraits of these women kind of in a kind of sort of abstract way. Um, and, they're each kind of sort of telling a story from that perspective. And I feel like it's almost like me behind that canvas kind of telling these stories, but um, yeah, that's been a really important series that I've been working on. Very special for me. So is it a continue continuation of a series or is it something that you started that has not been uh, 
exhibited I've been working or shown on it yet? for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I need, I'm sort of evolving um, away from it. But that series has um, been pretty pivotal for me. And I think that has what's, you know, gotten some attention with different um, museums and shows that I've been able to be part of. So you mentioned that some of your family members, if, I, if I'm correct, were artists as well. Are they practice mm-hmm. various parts? Who, who was it that inspired you? My dad, he's an artist. Actually, this piece right here, he's that's one of the earliest pieces that I remember um, seeing as a kid. Um, But he just always painted and drew and would always have I have tons and tons of little sketches that he's done. Um, And so just kind of always seeing that from him was like sort of all I ever knew. Um, And so I kind of grew up wanting to also like sketch and draw and paint and all of that. And his, um, his siblings, my aunts and uncles are also extremely talented and we're all self-taught. None of us are formally trained in any way. Um, we just don't have those resources living, you know, in North Dakota, let alone a reservation. So, um, it's pretty incredible to come from a family of such talent. Do they continue to inspire you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's since passed away. So sadly, you know, the only way that I, um, I'm able to sort of continually have him in my life is to surround his artwork in my home in my studio. It's so, and that's such the beauty of art that it, tra- you know, transcends like the essence of time and it can stay with you and your spirit lingers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So did he, uh, I'm sorry, if I'm asking the inappropriate question, did he pass before you started actually considering yourself and doing artwork? Yeah, I, um, I mean, he's always known that I've been into art and things like that, but he, he passed away in 2014, far Mm. before I started putting myself out in this public way. So yes. (laughs) Well, he gave you the push probably, you know, Yeah, I definitely feel that, feel that (laughs) all of our spirits are around us consistently. So, and continuously. So yeah, always inspires. That's, that's my belief. Excuse me. So is there any milestones that you want to achieve as an artist? Um, I feel like I really I've achieved like such a huge one this year by um, showing internationally. I mean, that was something I never dreamt could be possible. And so for me, I'm like, wow, that's such an incredible opportunity and was such a great experience for me that I I'm still sort of like soaking in what that means for me. Um, So that's been a milestone moment. Is there something that you want to achieve that you haven't yet as a creative person? Yeah, I, my son, I have two, I'm a mom of two boys. One of them is very much a talented artist. They both like to create in their own ways, but my older one is definitely, I think, sort of inherited that um, creative gene that runs in our family. (laughs) And um, he's 15 and we're, I've always wanted to collaborate with him on a mural. Um, And so we're actually going to be doing that in September in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, and I want him to take the lead on what the the piece, the, his artwork looks like. And then I sort of like collaborate um, and add in backgrounds and like elements, but I want him to be the focal point. Um, and so that's been always kind of a dream of mine the past few years. Like, oh, I want to collaborate seriously, like him and I together, see Walker squared. We're going to do it. <laughs> and then, um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing that this fall. I'm excited. That's fantastic. That's definitely fantastic. Um, do you collaborate with other artists? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've done a lot of collaborations on murals, um, mostly murals. I haven't done anything in in other ways, but I always am looking, you know, artists that inspire me. I definitely need to get the courage to reach out a little bit more and be like, let's do something together. I love what you're doing. Let's make some magic together. 
So besides milestones, is there any goals you want to achieve? Saying I want to exhibit here, I want to be in this uh, art gallery, I want to yeah. do this or... I mean, there's definitely always goals. There's always aspirations. Um, I definitely have shown a lot here in Colorado and in the surrounding areas. I show in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is sort of like one of the epicenters for Native American art. Um, but I would love to go somewhere like New York or in the Smithsonian and do some projects. So I'm putting that out into the universe today. <laughs> <laughs> listen, everyone, listen, listen, yeah. universe. So you mentioned growing up in an area that you didn't have the resources. Do you think that is because of just the, the lack of or is the tribe not instilling that we need to continue our story? The greatest portion to tell our story is in art itself. So I it's definitely not a lack of the tribe's efforts. There's definitely a lot of amazing um, things that are going on at the tribe. I'm constantly, I, you know, I'm, I'm connected with a lot of friends and family back home that's there. And I, mm -hmm. they're always showing like different classes and different, um, things that they're putting on in workshops and trying to really keep some of those cultural art forms alive and, um, passing them on to newer generations. But definitely there is a lack of resource and not even just on the reservation, but you know, when I go back to North Dakota, um, even outside of the reservation in Bismarck, for instance, where is where I spent a lot of my childhood growing up. Um, there's just isn't art stores. There's not really an art museum. There's, I, you know, it, it's such a desert for uh, the creative in my opinion. It's mm, unfortunate, mm -hmm. definitely unfortunate, especially for us to tell, tell our story accurately mm -hmm. yeah. from ourselves, you know, in a great right. way to do that. Yeah. Like, when I, you know, when I put on that mural festival last summer, um, accessing supplies, we had to bring everything up from Denver, spray wow. paint, um, you know, all the different kind of creative tools that we used. We had there because there's nothing in North Dakota around to get to access that, which is terrible. Wow. Well, I've never <laughs> been to North Dakota, so. <laughs> <laughs> Most people haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a place I want to go, uh, South Dakota and North Dakota. So with your tribe. Are they instilling a lot of the cultural elements and teaching the youth that it's an important factor to be proud of, Absolutely. to instill with them, you know, language, mm -hmm. arts, and all their various other components? Yes, absolutely. And we're really lucky um, on the Standing Rock Reservation in Fort Yates, which is the town that my family lives, um, is Sitting Bull College. And that's such a great place for a lot of that outlet and a lot of that learning, whether it's language, art classes, even, you know, things that have nothing to do with the arts. It's a it's a really great resource and center for people to go to. Fantastic. Um. What else would you like to tell us about yourself and your art form and your craft? Well, I do have a question, though. Um. Do you think creativity is separate from vision? Hmm. I don't know. Like in what, what, what do you mean by that? Question? When you start creating, be it a story, a writing, painting, or any type of a art form, do you think creativity is the, the driving force or is it the vision that comes within? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I think it's a little of both. I know for me, I have a lot of visions or things in my mind that I would love to like manifest into a physical form. Um, but that's always a challenge, sometimes a challenge, especially for me not being professionally trained and know how to access a lot of different types of things. Um, so it's executing that vision is sometimes a challenge for me, but, um, 
I think it's I think it's a little of both. To a be little of both. Mm-hmm. Do you wake up in the the first thing in the morning as you start thinking about things you want to do and start creating? Yeah, definitely. I um, this whole week the first thing I do is I brew a pot of coffee and then I get all my paint and I've been working on this 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 drum piece. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that a lot these days. And then there's days where I'm like, I'm just not, there's no inspiration coming. And I think that happens to all artists in all right. different art forms. But, um, definitely I wake up and think about like, okay, let's create something today. And sometimes I have to sort of force myself, even if I'm not feeling it, I'm like, let me just get a sketch pad out. Um, and then, you know, sometimes that leads to bigger and greater visions and, and inspirations. So do you have an artistic influencer past or present? Yeah, I love, um, I, I love expressionistic arts artists. Um, but I would say some of the the ones that I just really have admired, um, the past probably five years is TC Cannon and also Fritz Shoulder. They're two native artists, um, that are both passed away, but really had, um, such an exciting career and they're, their color palettes mm-hmm. is, is what really um, inspires me. I'm really inspired by color palettes as well. And do you try to incorporate uh, their technique a little bit? No, I don't. I'm not a believer of doing that. I definitely um, create, I think I create my own techniques and I've been even told that by other artists and other people that I sort of have like this identifying uniqueness to mm-hmm. my style and my art. And to me, that makes me happy because I, I don't ever want somebody to be like, Oh, look, she's trying to copy what so-and-so is doing. Or right. look, I see a lot of Picasso in that or whatever. And <laughs> we do see a lot of that today. And it, um, it kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel art is important to uh, native American society today? Um, I think it's, um, it's very important. It's very centric to who we are before we had a written language, the way we expressed ourselves and expressed our histories and our stories was through drawing, Mm -hmm. whether it was on raw hide or on um, rocks or walls or cave walls, depending on what tribes and areas you come from. But that's, that was our earliest art form of communication um, or form of communication was art and drawing. And so I feel like it's something very innate within native indigenous people. Do you feel being a native American that, it inspired you to become an artist or an artist. You're an artist that is inspired by being a native American. I, I can't be inspired to be native American. Cause it's just who I am. Just like you're probably European descent. Um, it's just who you are and you can't be inspired to be that. Um, so I don't really know how to answer that. Question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Well, I'm Cherokee in Delaware. I am European as well, but uh, mm. my mother was Cherokee in Delaware. I'm a citizen of both nations. Okay. What pieces do you have in your mind that you want to do next? That's like, I'm going to take the time. This is going to be a mm-hmm. long process and it's going to be something that I'm going to achieve. Is there something there in the back of your head that it's been brewing and brewing? Yeah, I want to do, um, I want to paint on buffalo hides, like full hides. And so it's something that I've been thinking about and um, saving up to invest in more hides because they're quite expensive. Um, but I want to be able to um, to do that. And I'm just sort of like brainstorming how I'm going to approach that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that you take 
various forms from your tribe and, and steal it into your artwork? Is there an aesthetic look you're trying to achieve so it's identifiable to your tribe or is it just coming from with you from within? I think it's a little bit of both. I definitely carry a lot of um, symbol symbolic things into my artwork and also incorporate pieces of my tribe into my artwork. So like this series I've been working on called the braided women have all of them are wearing like an elk tooth dress. And a lot of people don't realize like what their dress pattern is, but they're elk teeth. Um, and so that's a, you know, a traditional dress that we sort of wore back, back in those times. Um, but I also like to, you know, put my own perspective on it, my own twist, whether it's through color palettes or different techniques or styles. Um, and I do do a lot of symbolism. So when I'm looking at old photos or I'm looking at old artifacts and things like that, I look at what the different symbols mean. We, like I mentioned before, we had a written language, we, we drew things. And so there's a lot of symbolism in the forms of drawings that um, I also incorporate into my work. So some of the um, pieces that you've done, are you incorporating your own personal story as well? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Is there a traditional or contemporary word that describes uh, art in your language? Um, I'm not a fluent speaker. Um, sadly, my family, my grandmother was a boarding school student and we sort of lost that along the way as that's the mm -hmm. story of a lot of native people. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the different variations of art I don't even know if there is a word for art. I'm going to have to research that. Mm, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't think there's one in I, Delaware yeah, as well. I'm thinking like, I don't think there really, I don't think there is. Cause like I mentioned, art was sort of like a way of life. We created our clothes, we beaded everything, Correct. we made everything. And it was just like our way of life. So I don't know that that was perceived as an art versus Correct. like a practical thing. Practical and functional use of yeah. materials. And it wasn't right. art form. We're telling our story or the things around us. Yeah, exactly. There might be a modern word. We're always constantly developing new words, which I find super fascinating. <laughs> um, I, I talk to different linguists and people that study our language and I'm like, so, you know, there's a word now for like microwave, like who, how did that come about? Like who's in charge <laughs> of creating these words? So it's, it's a very interesting thing. So there very well could be now a, a new word called um, utilizing art. I used still that my microwave. How would you translate that? <laughs> I know. Hot box or I don't know. <laughs> box. <laughs> Why do you think Native American art is so relevant and popular right now? It seems like it's on the, the peak, the urban flow, and now it's like continuously on. It's not going away. I think we're making a presence yeah. on a global scale. And as, as you mentioned, you've, you're exhibiting in, in Amsterdam and someone knows mm -hmm of your work in Amsterdam, why do you think it's so relevant right now and popular? I, you know, I, I think sadly, I think a lot of, um, indigenous issues and acknowledgement of our people and way of life have been elevated through some of the more horrific, um, issues in, in the U S particularly, you know, like George Floyd and a lot of those things mm -hmm. really sort of that time period, um, gave a lot of BIPOC people of a new voice and it, people started hearing and listening. Um, and so with that, there came, I remember when I just was talking about this yesterday with a, a different podcast interview I was doing, um, they, 
there was this whole time of maybe three or four years ago, maybe even a little bit earlier where everybody was doing a land acknowledgement. Like suddenly this was a thing. Everybody wanted a land acknowledgement, every organization. But what I found silly was that these organizations and people were asking native people to do a land acknowledgement. I can't tell you how many phone calls or emails I've gotten from different institutions or organizations where like, Hey, we want We're doing this event. We really want to do a land acknowledgement. Would you be willing to do it? And that to me was a light bulb moment that people aren't realizing like what the purpose of a land acknowledgement is. You would, right. you should never ask a native person to do that because we already acknowledge the land and know where we come from. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> so to me, I was like, wow. Um, but it was a good start. And I think with, with, with kind of like a lot of people doing those and sort of trying to be um, recognizing and acknowledging native people where they work, live and play. It sort of then became like, okay, well, what's the next step after land acknowledgement? What are you going to do? So now I've realized there's a lot of institutions and people and um, that are giving space for native people. They're, they're carving out space, whether it's in a museum, a gallery, they're realizing the importance of native people having a voice and having something to say and having a perspective. And it's been so underrepresented and silenced for so long Mm. that um, I'm really glad that there's that momentum. And I think it's very important that it's happening right now um, to offer those perspectives. Absolutely. Do you think because we want to show the outside world even though we're individual tribal nations, mm-hmm. that there is a continued story that's being shared amongst all of us, um, that it's being kind of uh, visually presented to the outside community from various Native American artists. Do you think there's an ongoing story that's our theme that's being uh, shown in their work? There's definitely a lot of, so I'm curating a, um, uh, a native justice exhibition right now with a um, an organization and it's all like art through the lens of like what native justice means mm-hmm. and it's from all different tribes all over the country and th- there's a, definitely a lot of common themes I think we all have a lot of commonalities despite how different in um, each tribe is um, there is a lot of common history a lot of common oppression and, and issues that we all face together collectively um, and so for sure there's definitely common themes, but then there's also the beauty of, of highlighting the differences. And I think that's super important because I can't tell you again, like how much people think homogenized uh, native people are homogenized group of people, you know, just not long ago, I was um, working in a high school and a a kid came up to me and again, it's, it's, it was a 16 year old kid, you know, but this kind of just shows like what our education system may or may not be like, he's like, how how do I say goodbye in native American? (laughs) And I just remember thinking like, wow, this kid doesn't even know that there's like multiple Native American tribes and languages. Yeah. With the multitude of technology that we have out there, you think yeah. they'd be more prevalent. Yeah. Than- <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I think it's, it's really important that there's lots of different tribes being represented and you, people will see a common theme. Um, but then I hope that they also realize that everybody's very different. Right. We all have our individual stories that we need to mm-hmm. tell. Uh, has there been a lot of influx in your tribe in artists that are actually uh, out there exhibiting and participating and doing Uh, other types of form of art? I think so. I, I know there's, again, like one of the reasons why I wanted to go back home and do this mural festival last summer was because I know and recognize how much talent there is on the reservation and within my own community and not all native people live on the reservation. As you know, you know, we're all Mm -hmm. over in every city and town and area of the U S. Um, 
but because of the concentration of native people on the reservation and the lack of resource, I, I wanted to like show them how they can branch out and, and, you know, utilize their skills and that there is opportunities out there. Um, and so I see more and more of it now, a lot of it is still being done within the community on the reservation, which is so important in itself. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to guest curate a lot of different shows. And I love being able to reach out to these artists that maybe wouldn't even know how to apply to show in a gallery or have that um, knowledge to, to be able to build that their career that way. So I love mm -hmm. um, being able to help sort of create a platform for the, for people to show their work in a more public way outside of their smaller communities. Do you mentor? I haven't really formally mentored, but I'm, you know, anybody that I ever come across that's emerging artist, I'm always like, just reach out anytime, you know, anytime you, you have a question, I'm happy to help and pass on any knowledge that I have, because that's really how I learned. It was by asking questions and by watching people and, um, and really getting so much great advice from other artists. Especially now that you're doing quill work, which as you mentioned is a, mm -hmm. is a rare and losing yeah. art, art form, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm sure yeah actually a I had a, a friend called me yesterday or text me the other day and she sent me a picture of her quills that were like melted and deformed. <laughs> and she's like, where did I go wrong? And I was <laughs> like, okay, let's take a step back. So yeah, being able to like help people in any way that I can, whether it's just through like that simple text, like, what do I do with this? Um, I'm always, always willing to help. So is there educational programs up in North Dakota for, uh, your tribal youth to get involved? Yeah, I think so. I, I know I'm always seeing um, like different social media posts and events and things constantly going on, which is so great because I don't remember that ever being the case when I was younger. Um, so I love that there's this emergence of art opportunities. Fantastic. That's good. Mm -hmm. So what else do you want to tell us about yourself, Danielle? Uh, what's going on? What's next for you? Um, where people can see and buy your artwork and yeah i mean i i think i post most of my artwork um and even my i'll even do like little reels and stuff people are always interested in the creative process so i try mm -hmm. to do a little bit more of that on my instagram which is at seawalker underscore art and um so i post a lot of stuff there but i also have a website where i try to also update as much as i can with what art is available mm -hmm. these days it um sells before i can even post it which is a good problem to have but um, I am going to be um, producing a lot of prints and a lot of fun merchandise and stickers and a lot of cool stuff at this upcoming Indigenous Comic-Con sort of, sort of um, mm -hmm. event here in Denver in June. Um, and so, yeah, I have that. And then just, you know, I think keeping keeping tabs on my Instagram is always like a good place to find out what's <laughs> next. <laughs> do you do the uh, circuit, the market circuit? No, I, you know, I, I've been wanting to, and I'm, I'm definitely a goer of the markets because I love to just peruse and see my friends in those, in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And I've been asked many times, like, when are you going to, you know, do that? Um, I did apply for the herd, um, market in, in Phoenix, um, which was in March, but I ended up and I got accepted, which I sort of put myself out there like, oh, I'll apply, but I don't know if I'll get accepted. Well, I was accepted <laughs> and I ended up not going because I, um, had to go to Amsterdam. So I had mm. to sort of prioritize some things, but, um, Amsterdam or Phoenix. <laughs> I know. I know. And I felt really terrible because I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope that is, you know, I hope that doesn't smear my chances of like ever applying to a market. 
Right. So, but right. anyway, maybe one day. Your art speaks for yourself, so I'm <laughs> sure they're going to invite you and accept you again. So when you create and painting versus quill versus your murals versus writing, Mm-hmm. Do you know what direction you go if you have an idea and you don't know how to transpire that idea? Do you know what direction you're going to go or what medium? Um, murals, for sure. I always kind of know it's it's like I mentioned, it's sort of much more calculated process. I mm-hmm. um, definitely put a lot more planning and layout and things into it. Um, my studio work is a bit more freeform. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I want to, you know, I might just slap some paint on a canvas. And then I'm like, you know, I'm going to maybe add some beads into this or like create or hang some fabric or I, you know, I just kind of go with it a little bit, um, whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any uh, closing words of wisdom to share with us? Oh gosh. I don't know. I don't know. I, my own it's, you know, what would you tell your younger self before you started? Um, so to just keep creating, I think like there was definitely a period of time in my life where I stopped creating and, um, I reflect back and realize like how unhappy that made me feel in a lot of ways. And so I, I would just tell myself, just keep creating, just even if it's a little thing, just create. Fantastic. Well, Danielle, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being on our show today. We thoroughly appreciate it. And I'm honored to have met thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, same. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you.